Master, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Very much so. I have begged my wife to tell me what she wants for Valentine's Day, and she has told me what she wants for Valentine's Day. What she would like for Valentine's Day is for me to take her out to dinner. That's easy enough. She'd like me to take the long trek to Gibson and take her to the Denny's adjacent to the Flying J. Very well, my love. I can accomplish that. You also might say, Pastor Sam, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Shouldn't you preach a message on love? And to that I would say, yes, but that's what you would expect me to do. And I'm trying to break tradition. So instead, today we're going to jump back into James. And it's actually because I didn't forget tomorrow was Valentine's Day. I just didn't put two and two together and say I should preach a message on love. It's my fault. So instead, we're going to jump into James. And it just so happens that we're kind of going to talk about the opposite of love today. Because starting in James chapter 4, and in my Bible, I love this. This whole chapter is titled, Things to Avoid. Okay. Sounds good to me. That makes it pretty simple. We should avoid these things. Today, and, and, and uh, we're going to, we've only got two chapters in James left, four and five, and then we're almost done with that book. Today is all about quarrels. Now, you might also say, but pastor, that goes with Valentine's Day. Exactly. <laughs> so it does fit together well. Let's read it, shall we? Now, and you might also see in your Bibles, this is probably going to stop, unless you've got one like mine, reach verses, a new line. Um, your Bible might have this in a paragraph. And you're going to say, Pastor, we're stopping right in the middle of a paragraph. You never do that. You're right. But the second half of the paragraph deals with something that I felt needed its own sermon. So we're only going to deal with the first half today. Verses 1 through 5, James 4, 1 through 5. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Number one on your note sheets. Number one. The source. The source of quarrels. Now, I don't know about you, but I have personally been in a lot of what you might term quarrels in my life. I happen to have the same basic makeup and temperament as my father, as do two of my three siblings. I apparently have a fifth sibling somewhere I'm just finding out about. <laughs> well, I wonder why they don't come to the church I preach at. Um, and as such, my whole train of thought is gone. <laughs> I, was, I was getting going, too. And as you, because we have the same temperament, we also happen to fight a lot. And when we fight, it's not a spat. My sister Christina and I, um, 
It's amazing we haven't caused permanent damage to the other person. When we were, I was in middle school, so she was in high school, and this is just one story. We were having one of our good old quarrels, and she took a piece of two by four. No, it must have been one by. It was probably one by. Short piece, about that long, and just right across the head. You say, ouch, but what you don't realize is that when Sam gets angry, he doesn't feel anything besides anger. It's almost like being drunk. I wouldn't know, I've never been there, but from what I've been told. And in my retaliation, I went and got my wooden baseball bat and went Kung! on her foot. Somehow, neither of us ended up with any sort of injury. Some angel was there holding those pieces of wood. That's just one story. We have a lot of them. But if you look back at your quarrels, and I could quarrel, listen, I could quarrel with any one of you in here right now. I don't have anything against anybody in this room. But if you were like, Maddie, sometimes I'll be, I'll be doing things that I do, you know, making fun of her, poking at her and stuff like that, because I think it's funny and fun and she does not. Um, but she'll go, do you want to fight? I was like, I can. I could turn it on right now if you want to go. It's just a switch and it's right there. It's readily available. So if any of you are ever like, I want to have a go at our pastor, let's go. We'll go. I will also say this. You won't win, but neither will I, because afterward I've got a lot of damage to clean up. But the brushes don't get into something and lose. That's why we generally have burnt a lot of bridges in our lifetimes. But if you look at your quarrels, you'll notice, just as scripture says here, that most of them come about because you want one thing and the other person wants something else. So I'm going to give you the key to never having a quarrel with somebody ever again, right at the top of the sermon. You could stop listening right after this. Stop wanting things. There you go. If you never want anything ever again, you won't quarrel with somebody. Now, for those of us here who have a problem with that, which is everyone, we should probably pay attention. The source are your wants, your lusts, your desires, right? We're working on the word lust, which just means strong desire. Of course, I've mentioned this three or four times throughout sermons. We, in our English vernacular, the word lust almost always applies to sexual desires and such, but that's not what the word lust actually means. It just means a strong desire. You should lust after God. You should. You should have an overwhelming, strong desire for God. Okay? But the issue is that our lusts, our desires, very rarely are for good things. They're what we want. What I want. It can be as simple as, well, for dinner, I want this and you want that, and now we're fighting. James says, you want to know where your quarrels start? Look at yourself and what you want. The other issue is that our quarrels often start because of our sin and our lusts lead us to our sins. When you lust after something, you do whatever you can to get it. Whether it's lusting after a woman or a man, whether it's lusting after the last slice of pizza, 
Whether it's lusting after God, you do whatever it takes to get it. And if you're lusting after anything pretty much besides God, you will sin to get it. And quarrels come up from it. The other issue is that the other reason that quarrels come about is the haves and the have nots. We look at the world around us and we go, if I may, I'm trying to convince my wife of this and she keeps saying no. I don't know why. I was in Best Buy yesterday shopping for a 100-foot Ethernet cable that my dad wanted me to get for some other project we're doing around the church. Well, they didn't have that. But on my way back to the bathroom, I passed an 85-inch TV that was the clearest picture I have ever seen. And I said, honey, we've got a tax return coming in. We should buy this. And she said, no. I'm not sure why. I can't think of a better thing to spend thousands of dollars on. It sounds like a great time to me. Apparently we have other things that we need. I have been to people's homes that have very, very, very large TVs. And I know I keep mentioning TVs. It's because it fits with, our, with the sermons that I'm preaching as good illustrations. And it's something you all get. Please do not misunderstand me. I am extremely happy with the TV that I own. It's big. It does exactly what I need it to do. It's great. It hangs on the wall. It's fun. That was a pain in the butt. I'll regale you with that story some other time. But here's the thing, right? I've been to people. If I didn't know what it was like to watch a football game on a TV like that, would I even want it? No, of course I wouldn't. But I've been to somebody's house who happens to have a TV that large with surround sound, and you're going, oh my word, it's almost like you're there. But it's not cold, and there's not a drunk guy next to me without a shirt on. This is great. You lust after something you don't have because you know what it's like when somebody else has it. It's jealousy, it's greed, it's envy. You're so caught up in what somebody else has that you start fighting. And God makes it pretty clear. You don't have because you don't ask. Let's stop right there. I like that verse as well. Last week we read about can't live by bread alone. This week, if you don't, if you don't ask, you won't have it. Therefore, if we ask, we'll have it. God, give me the TV. I don't see it anywhere. Dang it. You see, the problem is the verse continues. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. I'm not asking for an 85-inch TV because I want to share it with the rest of you. I will not be inviting anybody over to watch football on the TV with me. It's a jealous motive. It's a selfish motive. It's the wrong motive. When you ask because you know it's what the will of God wants, and you're asking because you want it to further his kingdom, you get it. You won't get it immediately. Somebody over here, I think it was you, said patience. Yep, you won't necessarily get it immediately. It won't necessarily be in the way in which you wanted it, but you will get what you need to further his kingdom. Look around you. Two, three years ago, three, almost four years ago now, when I first came here, we had one TV that sat right there. It was a pain in the butt 
to try to see things and stuff like that. Especially if you sat in this section. And we prayed for three years for God to make a way for us to do something. Whether it was projectors, whether it was TVs, something. And it took three years and then God said, I'll provide. And then it took us another two months. Because to hang those things, I'm surprised nobody died. They're not coming down for a long time. So I hope you like them. We had ladders on pews, on stacks of books and wood to try to level them out. The guy that came that was helping us put them up went, he'd been installing TVs for 20 years. And he's like, I've never had to do something like this. It was great. God provided because we were asking for the right motives. We wanted to help deepen and strengthen our worship. Now, could we worship without these TVs? You bet we could. Does it make it a whole lot easier to do things? You bet it does. And God provided it eventually. Ask with the right motives. And to ask with the right motives, you have to have the right motives. You can't fool God. He knows. You can't be like, God, I want this to further your kingdom. And deep down inside, you're like, yeah, but I'm going to use it for my own gain. It doesn't work. Quarrels arise because of your desires, because of your sins, and because you're focusing on the haves and have-nots. Almost every single one, if you look back through your life at the fights you've had with people, those are the reasons they've happened. And James says you need to beware of it. And as I mentioned before, the title of this whole passage of Scripture is Things to Avoid. It stands to reason you're supposed to avoid quarrels. I mentioned it before. If you want to avoid the strong desires thing, the, the, or the, your wants, right? Just don't want anything. doesn't work like that. What it does work like, though, is, and let me give you a great example of the past two days. I'm going to brag on my wife. I make fun of her enough. Figure we should brag on her a little bit. What was yesterday? Saturday. Friday. I said, what do you want for dinner? I had been down in Scranton. Uh, my dad and I had done four or five hours of work on the wall out there. I had to go to Scranton to get shopping done. And on my way back, I was like, I don't know what to get for dinner tonight. I'm tired. Everything is frozen. My chicken and stuff is frozen, so it needs to defrost. If I'm going to cook something, yada, yada, yada. And so I said, what do you want for dinner? And I, said, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, let me... Excuse me, let me make a suggestion. Let's go get Chinese, but we'll go to the buffet in Scranton because they have garlic bread, and Maddie loves frozen garlic bread. I thought I was making a great compromise because the buffet in Binghamton is better than the one in Scranton. So I thought I was making this great compromise. And she said, eh, okay. And I went, well, that's obviously not what you would like. What is it that you want? So we ended up going and we went to Panera, which she loves, and then we went to Arby's because I love a good fake roast beef sandwich and curly fries. It's good stuff. It probably sits in your system for 20 years. You know how they said gum stays in your system for 10 years? It's probably Arby's melts, right? And then yesterday, she had to go shopping and I had to do work and had to go down to Scranton after that. So I said, let's meet for lunch at 1 o'clock. You pick. Just tell me where we're going. Send me a text. Say where we're going. I'll meet you there. Cool. And we had Chinese buffet yesterday. 
Her desire was not to eat Chinese yesterday. I know that because it's never her desire to eat Chinese food. But neither of us let our own desires become the reason that we start fighting about stuff. Simple, it's food. We're going to eat anyway. But neither of us said our desire is more important than the other person's. We said your desire is more important than ours. It was something as simple as food. That's the key to avoiding quarrels over your desires. Genuinely, wholeheartedly believe and act that somebody else's desires are more important than yours. You are always going to have desires. You're never going to be able to put them away, ever. But what you can do is say, your desires are more important than mine, so I will do what you want to do. Compromise is great, and work towards compromise. It worked out two days in a row. She got Panera, I got Chinese. It's a great time. But let your desires, but let your desire be that somebody else's desires get fulfilled, not yours. That's how you avoid quarrels with that. James continues on. So number one, I don't know if I ever said this. Number one, the source. Number two, what a friend. Verses four and five talk about being a friend of God or being a friend of the world. We talked this morning about we can't, we're strangers in this land, and we should be. James comes right out and says it. If you're a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. And if you are a friend of God, you are an enemy of the world's. You can't play both sides. You can't play for both teams. You are one or you are the other. God and the world do not mix. They never have. That's not true. They haven't since Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to know better. From that moment on, the world and God have not mixed, and they won't ever again. God, read in Revelation, is going to obliterate all of creation, heaven and earth, and create new ones that are in perfect harmony with him, the way it was supposed to be. This world will never mix with God again in harmony. I'm not going to try and get scientific terms here. I know there's a solution and stuff like that, but the point of the matter is you can't have both. You can't say, well, I want to follow what the world says here and follow what God says here. You can't say, I want to sit on the fence. You either have to say, I'm going to look at everything with a biblical worldview, and I don't care what the world says. I'm going to follow what God says, or I'm going to follow what the world says, screw what the Bible says. You can't pick and choose certain parts. God doesn't act to work like that. Verse 5 says you can't have a divided allegiance. That's what that means. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. He is jealous for you. God is jealous for you. Think about that for a minute. He wants you. He wants your full, undivided attention. He wants all of you. And you might say, well, yeah, of course he wants all of me. I'm pretty cool. No, you're not. You have nothing you can offer God because it's all his anyway. Every dollar you put in the offering plate, it's all his anyway. Every amount of talent you give to him, whether it's singing or working or cooking or cleaning or whatever, all of that, all of your energy, all of your time, guess what? It's all his anyway. You can't give him anything. You have nothing to offer him. 
And yet, he is jealous for you. And he does not want you divided. You're either all his or none of his. Black and white, A or B. There's nothing in between. So bring this back into the idea of quarrels. Because it's in the same passage, so it's got to be brought together, right? If you are lusting after him, if he is your one desire, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll find yourself quarreling with less and less and less people because you're going to follow what he says. And in a few places he says things like, love your neighbor as yourself. So as much as it is up to you, live at peace with all people. Things like that. Some of you in here are probably like me, and that's not true. I know that some of you in here are like me. You like a good fight. You feel good after a good fight. It's invigorating. Mm. It's not the way that God wants us to be. Doesn't mean we lay around and just do nothing and let ourselves always get walked over. There are hard things that must be done. But take a look at your quarrels in your life and ask yourself, is this something my God would want me to quarrel over? The odds are it's not. So don't. When you're giving yourself undividedly to your king, you don't have time to quarrel over where you're going for dinner, what this person did 10 years ago, what this person did two minutes ago, because you're busy keeping your undivided attention, love, adoration, lust towards your king. That's how those two things fit together. If you're a friend of the world's, you're going to fight with a lot of people. If you're a friend with God, a lot of people are going to try to fight with you. Let me let you in on a great secret. It takes two to fight. You don't have to retaliate. You might want to. You don't have to. Jesus didn't. He will one day. But he didn't at one point. Because he said it's more important to do the will of my father. So ask yourself, the next time you're feeling getting ready to quarrel, is it more important that your desire for whatever that is is fulfilled or your desire to fulfill the will of God. Would you pray with me? Father, as we wrap up here this morning, as we go about our day, I ask that you would reveal to us, first off, reveal to us the areas in our life you want us to be working on, the areas in our life that you are trying to chisel away the bad and make us into the image of your son, so that when we reconvene on Wednesday night, we can be praying. And Father, for this sermon here today, for the point of this one, I ask that you would... You would help us to take a step back and go, is this what you want me to do, God? And if it is, we'll go full steam ahead. But the odds are it's not. And I ask that you would help us to realize that and give us the strength, the grace, the faith to take that step back and go, I'm not fighting. Because my desire is after the king. And yes, we might not agree, but my desire is after him. We praise you, Father. We love you. Give us all uh, just this incredible week. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.